today on a middle-aged woman's menopausal journey. An update. We're going to be talking about menopause in the workplace. Menopause and digestive problems. And problems with gums. Thank you for joining me this Wednesday. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on a middle-aged woman's menopausal journey today. I've been out for a week. I had a lot going on. I had a surgical procedure that I had to have done last week. Um, Two of my daughters started working and um, I'm in the process of trying to retain employment as well as seeking other employment opportunities. So, yeah, it's been pretty busy. Ladies, a little bit of advice. If you have to take any kind of prescriptions, please take your prescriptions. Please take your prescriptions. I almost didn't get my surgical procedure done last week because my blood pressure was so high because I wasn't taking my blood pressure medicine. Now I get on here and I harp about making sure that you take your supplements and take your medications and things like that. But, you know, we don't always follow our own advice. And in this case... You know, it would have been costly for me had I wouldn't have had the opportunity to redeem myself and come back the next day and have the procedure that I needed to have done because of my high blood pressure. Um, I'm a human being, you know, we we get tired of having to take pills every day. But if, you know, you know you have these issues, especially if you are menopausal and you have medications that are prescribed to you, to help you manage those symptoms, even your antidepressive medication if you have them. Make sure you take your medication every day. You may not like the way that they make you feel. You may not like a lot of things about them. I'm not too fond of my high blood pressure medication because my high blood pressure medication makes me sleepy. And I don't like being sleepy, especially when I feel like I have a lot of things to do. And I feel like my anti um my my anxiety medication it makes me a bit too lackadaisical for my taste you know there i just don't feel motivated now when i'm not taking my medication i'm motivated to do a lot of things but i'm not focused and i'm running all over the place and i'm in every direction so it's best to take your medication you know, it's it's best to go ahead, take your medications, take your, if you're on hormonal treatments, take your hormone treatments, follow up with your doctor's appointments, uh, take care of yourself. Don't make excuses for why you don't take 
your medications. Don't follow up with your doctor. Don't do these things if you're blessed to even have and be able to be covered by medical insurance because it can prove detrimental to you in in situations where you have to have something serious done. So like I said, luckily for me, I was able to um, have the procedure done the next day once I had caught up on my blood pressure medication. I've been taking it ever since. I have to schedule a follow-up appointment with my doctor for a refill. I think I'm on my last um, refill. I don't know what they're doing with the insurance lately, but they've been refilling our prescriptions without having to go in. And I think there's some changes that were made um, to our insurance policies. So we'll see how it goes. I have to do this pretty soon. So that's what I've been up to this past week. Um, Let's go on ahead and get into our topics for today. Bloomberg had posted an article with a video um, that's titled, Menopause is Causing Women to Leave the Workforce, What Can Be Done to Break the Stigma? Um, They posted this on Twitter on June the 18th. So I have not had a chance to read the article because there is a two-minute video attached. I'm just going to go ahead and play the video, let you listen to it, and then I'll come back with any um, any thoughts or um, anything I'd like to add to um, what was being said. It's not every day that a FTSE 100 boss tells you about her nightly hot flushes. But for 45-year-old Liv Garfield, chief executive of British water services provider Seven Trent, sharing her own experience is an important part of breaking down stigma around menopause in the workplace. I think we've got to be open about it and not make it taboo and not be embarrassed about it and be really clear. If you have had a rubbish night's sleep because of it, then share that experience because there'll be lots of other women going through exactly the same thing as me each and every day. Her company was among the pioneers of menopause education. Since 2017-2018, where we introduced menopause training for managers, we went right across the workforce and talked about what would make it feel a bit less awkward to talk about. And we kind of realised that if you bring stuff up at least once a week, then it becomes less taboo. So since then, what we've done is realised you need this almost like adjustment passport. So just again, almost like a like a mini ability to contract with your line manager to say, this is the help that I need. With menopause driving scores of women out of the workforce, Garfield says supporting them is essential, not just because their loss costs economies millions of dollars a year. best organisations are made up of diversity, whether it's diversity of age, of thought and of experience. Um, and I think there's a real sense there, isn't there, that different experiences allows you to empathise with different people, it allows you to make connections that maybe you didn't have, and it allows you to think differently. And so to miss, to not employ swathes of women in their 45s to 60s has got to be a real issue, hasn't it? Because otherwise you're missing all of that insight from that particular generational category. So has the pandemic, with the new emphasis on health and working flexibility, 
possibly helped or hindered menopausal women? I think it depends by sector, doesn't it? So there's no doubt that for some sectors it is a game of survival and that the best thing they can do right now to look after their workforce is to get their business back up and running and able to provide jobs. So that's fair when you're in that mode for some sectors. I think there are other sectors which the power of people has become their greatest asset. This is the opportunity to truly push on to another gear. working women in rich countries has been ballooning in the past three decades and they're climbing into more and more senior roles so it's no surprise that the Bank of England has said menopause is an issue that just can't be ignored anymore. The CIPD found that three in five women were negatively affected by the symptoms of menopause at work. They include mood swings, hot flushes, loss of sleep, all of which impact productivity but more than that as you say almost a million women have left the workforce because of the symptoms. So that's a huge preventable loss of women at the peak of their experience that uh, feeds into the gender pay gap and the pensions gap in turn. And apart from being understanding of the challenges that women might face at this particular uh, period in their lives, what are, what are businesses supposed to do to or should think about doing to try and support women? I had a really interesting conversation with Liv Garfield, FTSE 100 boss, and she said, she was so open about her experience of hot flushes. She said talking about the menopause is the first way to break down stigma about it in the workplace. Um, but as you say, practical measures since 2018, when Seven Trent introduced menopause education. And, and it's Seven Trent that Liv uh, leads. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, she has introduced workplace adjustments like fans, um, flexible hours, better access to washroom facilities. So small changes that make a really big difference. And how has the pandemic affected this? Is there any kind of link here? Well, you might think that the new emphasis on health and working flexibly would have made it more alert, made employers more alert to the issue. But um, working from home has made it easier for some women to manage symptoms. For others, the psychological side's been exacerbated by the uncertainty of the pandemic. For others who can't work from home, uh, they've had to wear ill-fitting PPE to work that's designed for men. It's made their hot flushes worse. Mm. And on top of that, the Resolution Foundation found that women in their 50s were worse affected by this crisis than any other since the 80s. So you've got the direct economic and health effects but indirectly as well menopause has slid down the agenda for lots of companies because all they've been able to focus on for 16 months has been the pandemic okay lizzie thanks very much thanks for bringing us the economic uh, take the economic angle on this important story elizabeth uh, lizzie burton there our uk economy reporter millions of women exit workforce for a little talked about reason about 900,000 quit uk jobs due to menopause a 2019 survey Global menopause productivity losses top $150 billion a year. It's not every day that a FTSE 100 boss tells you about her nightly hot flashes. But for 45-year-old Liv Garfield, the chief executive officer of British Water Utility, Severn Trent PLC, it's a way to demystify a natural phenomenon affecting menopausal women a growing cohort at companies around the world. With menopause driving scores of women out of the workforce each year, addressing it is essential, says Garfield. To not employ swaths of women from 45 to 60 has got to be a real issue, otherwise you're missing all the insight from that particular generational category, she said in an interview. 
Her company was among the pioneers of menopause education in 2018. Symptoms of menopause start in women between the ages of 45 and 55 or earlier in rare cases. Menopause, which begins when a woman has gone 12 months without a menstrual period, can bring hot flashes, night sweats, loss of sleep, and mood swings. That can lead to embarrassing episodes in front of colleagues, reduced ability to concentrate, and even erratic behavior. Some women will have no issues or mild ones. For others, the effects can be debilitating. Women in this age group account for 11% of the workforce in the group of seven most industrialized nations, having steadily risen over the last three decades. Globally, menopause-related productivity losses can amount to more than $150 billion a year, according to Renita Das, a partner and senior vice president for healthcare and life sciences at consulting firm Frost & Sullivan. Plug in the additional cost to the healthcare system, and the total price tag of menopause could be higher than $810 billion, she said. Das said those numbers will continue to rise, with about a quarter of the world's female population turning menopausal in 2030. Some governments and companies are beginning to take note. The UK is leading the way with menopause landing on the Bank of England's radar. Governor Andrew Bailey said in April that although previously not considered part of the world of work, menopause can no longer be ignored. On Wednesday, labor lawmaker Carol Harris called for a menopause revolution with an all-party parliamentary group set up to overhaul menopause rights, entitlements, and education. While Japan is another country that has begun to confront the issue, elsewhere this swelling demographic group has yet to draw adequate attention. In the United States, menopause in the workplace isn't part of the conversation. And that's unfortunate, ladies. Economic impact. On the eve of the COVID-19 crisis, employment among 50 to 64-year-olds in the UK was 73%, the highest since records began in 1975. The number of women has grown almost twice as fast as men, with the female state pension age raised and more of them working longer to make ends meet after the financial crisis. The economic impact during the pandemic on this group of women was worse than in any major crisis period since the 1980s, a report by the Resolution Foundation think tank found. Many of the women forced to quit their jobs may have been in precarious or low-paid work or have taken on debts during the pandemic. So this will have a knock-on effect, said Nikki Pound of UK Trades Union Congress. Even before the pandemic, menopause was driving some women out of the workforce. A 2019 survey released in May, conducted by BUPA and cited by the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, or CIPD, a London-based association for human resource management professionals, reckoned almost 900,000 women in the UK left their jobs over an undefined period of time because of menopausal symptoms. Left unsupported, women will be leaving at the peak of their experience and will impact productivity, said the CIPD's Rachel Stuff. 
with women in that age group likely to be eligible for senior management roles. Their exit can dent C-suite diversity. It also contributes to the gender pay gap and feeds into a disparity in pensions, says Joe Brewis, a professional at the Open University. The CIPD found that three in five menopausal women were negatively affected at work. Many don't disclose symptoms to a male or younger manager, according to a 2017 UK government report. Unlike pregnancy, menopause is not commonplace in HR policy, it said. At Severn Trent, efforts to address the menopause question began with removing the British stiff upper lip in conversations about the topic. The second phase included flexible hours and better access to washrooms and fans. Small changes can make a really big difference, says the CIPD's SUF. Other companies with female leaders, including Alex Mann, 45, Chief Executive of Channel 4, and Emma Walmsley, 52, Chief Executive of GlaxoSmithKline, have introduced similar measures. The drugs giant, half of whose female employees are over 45, established a menopause support group at its local headquarters in the UK in 2019. From a standing start of five years ago, when there was absolutely nothing in the UK, we've made progress, said Deborah Garlick, founder of Henpicked, Menopause in the Workplace, which offers training on the issue. Women can now bring menopause-related cases for age or sex discrimination under the 2010 Equality Act, At BlackRock Incorporated, the world's biggest fund manager, Executive Rachel Lord, backed a petition calling on the UK government to mandate that employers with more than 250 workers have menopause policies. London Mayor Sadiq Khan added the idea of menopause leave in his re-election campaign manifesto. It's set to be introduced at City Hall in the coming months. Employers need to wake up in order to minimize their legal and reputational risk, said Emma Clark, employment partner at Keystone Law. Meanwhile, Garfield, one of a handful of female CEOs at Britain's 100 biggest companies, is calling on women to speak up rather than throwing the towel. Be clear if you've had a rubbish night's sleep, because there will be lots of other women going through exactly the same thing, she said. So, I played the two videos that were attached to the article as well as read the article. And here are a few of my thoughts on the content that was just shared. Um, First of all, as you can see, and as I've said before in previous podcasts, other countries in this world seem to be far ahead of the curve when it comes to the issues that are raised with women and menopause in the workplace that the UK and other countries are taking that extra step to address the problem and to find a solution is it's it's it's, it's eye opening and it's comforting it shows that they appreciate the need to have diversity in their workplaces and that watching older 
more seasoned individuals just leave the workforce in droves whether, rather than work with those seasoned individuals to keep them on, you know, it's just a great thing because they value these people. And the article stated that that conversation doesn't even exist here in the United States. Why? Because the United States values youth more than anything. Now, once you reach a certain age, you're just kind of pushed to the side, you know, left to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do with your life. And this is not just the workplace. It's everything having to do with the woman's life, uh, relationships, friendships, marriages, um, traditional um, 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 groups and things, religions, all types of things. We really do not value older people in American society. And the ones who are valued in our society look at least 20 or 30 years younger than they actually are. And they have the boundless energy of someone who's 40 or 50 years younger than them. And how and why that is is never exposed. We never find out how they were able to do or how they were able to survive or how they were able to make it at their age. We just see the hair and the makeup and the teeth and the fitness and the workouts and we're like, wow, you know, many of us are left to feel like, you know, what are we doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Why don't I look like that? Why don't I feel like that? And it's just a gulf fixed between those who are in the place of influence and the rest of us. Okay. And it shouldn't be that way. More women need to speak out about what's happening to them, what's happening to their bodies, what's happening with their families, what's happening with their children, what's happening with their jobs, because we need that information. We need to be able to help each other when these things are happening. And I will say the article kept it kind of surface as well. They're just talking about the high flashes. Everybody knows about the high flashes. But if you've been following me for a while since I began this um, podcast, there's more to menopause than just hot flashes. Okay. And mood swings and temper tantrums at the airport and at stores. There are a lot more things that happen with us that aren't really addressed. And I also believe that maybe it's because the people who are in, who are in positions of influence, who are in that age group between 45 and 55, they have whole teams behind them that are able to pick up the pieces whenever anything is breaking down or falling apart. The average American doesn't have that luxury. And an ill-timed mood swing or a hot flash or a bad day or just feeling sick or an accident, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're still suffering with the heavy periods or something like that, that could mean the difference between you keeping and losing your job. 
know, it's, it's really sad. You know, it really is ridiculous. But like I said, shout out to the sisters in the, in, in the, in the UK who shared this information with us. I have a, an Instagram page, um, that is specifically, um, targeted for my podcast and for others who are podcasters like myself and they're sharing their journeys and, um, everything about their menopause journey. Many of these, these ladies and, and many of these groups are from the UK and Australia and other places. We really don't have a lot of representation, um, in America when it comes to, um, perimenopause and menopause. Um, if you didn't know what my, um, Instagram page is, it is a plus underscore 32, a plus underscore 32. And, um, that's where I store my, um, Instagram podcast. And I also follow people who, um, also address perimenopause and menopause as much, um, as I can. So, like I said, we, we have a very few people in America who, um, that devote themselves to the issues of perimenopause and menopause on women and their mental health and in the workplace with relationships and the like. And I'm always hoping that someday that will change, but it's going to take in order for anyone to pay attention. And I hate to say that, but this is the truth. It's going to take those women who are in positions of influence to have a level of transparency about themselves and be vulnerable with their public and talk about these things. Not wait until they're past menopause and in their 60s and want to spill the beans. You know, we'd like to hear what's going on with you, ma'am, right now. While you're on the red carpet wearing that dress from Tom Ford and those shoes by Christian Louboutin and whatever. You know, we want to hear about the swelling and you just not feeling right and you almost didn't want to come today because you hardly you only had about two or three hours of sleep last night. We want to hear that kind of stuff. Okay? We don't want to have we don't you know it it gets to the point where you're you're tired of fantasy and living vicariously through someone else's fantasy life and living a dream. If we've learned nothing else during the pandemic is that everything isn't what it seems to be and what they portray to you. Everything is not all glitz and glamour. A lot of what they tell us is smoke and mirrors. And I'm finding that this generation of people, they're seeking the truth like never before. They want to know what's real because they're realizing that what they're seeing the images that they're being displayed, what they're seeing, what is being reported to them, what they're hearing about does not line up with their real life, with their everyday lives. And they're like either a very tiny part of the population is living this way and they're outnumbered, but because they have the influence, they have all the attention or there's something going wrong with my life. I need to know how to get to this place. So they're searching for answers. And we need to be more honest and more transparent and provide those answers for people 
who need them. So those are my thoughts on that article and those um those um videos that were attached um to the article. You know, us Americans got a lot of work to do when it comes to women and perimenopause and menopause. And black women especially, but that's another topic altogether. Okay? We 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 we're severely up underrepresented in all types of research. But like I said, there there are many um black women, my my black UK sisters, Australian sisters out there who are taking up the charge. They are appreciated. Um I I I search their content, listen to their content and try to learn, you know, from their experiences as well, you know. We we can always, you know, we can always find what we need if we're interested in learning and educating ourselves. So that's that for that. <laughs> if you're going through menopause, which most women undergo between the ages of 47 and 55, you may have noticed a pronounced decline in your hormone levels accompanied by a range of oral health effects including inflamed gums, burning sensations, altered taste sensations, and dry mouth. The inflamed gums stem from a condition called menopausal gingivastomatitis. It's hard to miss, marked by shiny, pale to deep red gums that bleed easily. If you're diagnosed with this condition, the good news is that it can be managed with medications suggested by your dentist. You may also find you're way more sensitive than normal to hot and cold food and drinks, and that everything tastes a little odd, either really salty, peppery, or sour, or bitter and metallic. This can be a byproduct of what's known as burning mouth syndrome, which we talked about last week, which can be every bit as unpleasant as the name suggests. With no definitive cause other than likely being brought on by the sort of hormonal fluctuations you expect during menopause, BMS can make the front part of your mouth, lips, inside cheeks, and tongue variously feel like they're burning, tender, hot and scalding, numb or tender. Your dentist will be able to suggest an appropriate course of action. Another symptom you may experience is dry mouth or xerostomia. This occurs when you don't have enough saliva in your mouth, which naturally makes eating and swallowing difficult, as well as increasing your risk of tooth decay. Saliva keeps the germs that cause decay in check. Fortunately, your dentist can help you manage this particular condition. Osteoporosis can also affect your teeth and gums post-menopause. While you might commonly think of it as something that causes the bones in your arms or legs to be brittle or your back to stoop, it can cause the bone in your jaw to recede too, leading to gum reduction and tooth loss. There's no need to suffer through these hormonal fluctuations. Seeing your dentist regularly throughout menopause will ensure that many of these conditions can be managed effectively. Menopause and Digestion Issues, Why You Really Shouldn't Stress Over It. This is an article written by Shannon Perry, dated May 16th, my apologies, May 26th, 
2021. The website that I am referencing this from is genev.com. Let's talk gas. No one does, right? It's humiliating and few of us want to talk about embarrassing bodily functions after about 8th grade. But digestive issues happen. Gas, menopause, bloating, irregularity, stomach cramps in older women can all be a whole lot worse in perimenopause and menopause. Even women who've rarely experienced these issues previously can suddenly find there are no safe foods anymore and anything they eat is likely to cause public embarrassment. Why do digestive issues happen in perimenopause and menopause? First, we should make it clear that flatulence isn't really a problem. According to metabolic surgeon, gut expert, and frequent GenEv podcast guest, Dr. Erica Lavella, gas is how you know those gorgeous little bacteria are doing their jobs in your gut. Unfortunately, society has turned this process into an embarrassment, so most of us are still pretty eager to keep it under control. Why does it happen more at this stage of life? Among its many other tasks, estrogen also helps regulate cortisol, the fight or flight hormone triggered by stress. So when estrogen starts declining around menopause, suddenly stress becomes a lot more stressful. Can hormone imbalance cause digestive problems? Not only do our reactions to stress become a bit more extreme, our ramped up cortisol has the add-on effect of slowing down digestion of food. That can lead to a host of digestive disorders like gas, bloating, and constipation in menopause. Oh my. But like so much of menopause, you don't have to simply endure the symptoms. Where once there was estrogen, now there are lifestyle changes. Number one, regain your balance with phytoestrogens. Because part of the problem here is a decrease in estrogen. Eating phytoestrogens that mimic what's lost can help relieve the problem. Where to get them? Think soy, tofu, tempeh, and miso. Veggies like beans and potatoes. Fruits like dates and apples. Seeds like flax and sesame grains like oats and barley, mint, ginseng, fennel, and anise, among other sources. Get more magnesium. Number two, magnesium does a lot of good stuff for menopause symptoms, not least of which is helping to relieve digestive issues like flatulence and constipation. It can also help minimize menopausal mood swings. Keep bones strong, support your immune system, and regulate heartbeat. So, you know, go get you some. Where to get it? Don't go too crazy since too much magnesium can cause diarrhea, but you can find it in leafy veggies like spinach and beet greens, whole grains, sweet potatoes, peanuts, oat bran, cornmeal, some fish such as mackerel, tomatoes, figs, avocados, bananas, peanuts, pumpkin seeds, and dark chocolate. Try our magnesium supplement for women in menopause. Uh, My apologies, that was an ad that was inserted in the article. Number three, boost your happy bacteria. Estrogen and progesterone fuel bacteria in your gut, so a decline in these hormones can disrupt and reduce healthy gut flora. 
lots of good gut stuff crowd out the bad stuff. So when you lose the good guys, the bad bacteria can move in and really mess stuff up. Feeding your beneficial flora helps you keep a better gut balance. Where to get it? To support good gut guys, bump up fermented foods such as miso, kombucha, sauerkraut, and consider a probiotic supplement. Yes, ma'ams. Probiotics are extremely good for helping with digestive issues. I am a firm believer in it. I take probiotics myself. Number four, fiber up. It seems like I type eat more fiber a lot, but those of us who live in the West tend not to get enough of it, and it's really good for us. Fiber tidies up your digestive bits, keeping things moving along and not letting semi-digested matter bog down in your system where it gets bored and starts causing trouble. Where to get it? The best high fiber foods are split peas, lentils, black and lima beans, artichokes, peas, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, raspberries, and blackberries. Whole grains are also good like popcorn, oatmeal, brown breads, and pastas. We also recommend taking some of the best fiber supplements for menopause. Number five, go natural. Ginger tea and peppermint tea are good, long-standing natural remedies. Number six, hydrate, sleep, exercise, and quit smoking. Is there any menopause symptom that can't be made better by drinking more water, sleeping more, moving more, and quitting smoking? Maybe, but many symptoms are improved and doing these won't generally make matters worse. Number seven, chew, but not gum. Yeah, this seems silly, but when you're eating on the go or in front of your computer or while distracted by a device, you're not paying attention. How you eat may be nearly as important as what you eat. Chewing slowly, taking your time, being thoughtful and in the moment can reduce stress, keep you from ingesting a lot of air, and help your digestive system by breaking food down right from the start. Chewing gum, you might want to cut back on that. Sorbitol, the artificial sweetener in many sugarless gums and the extra air you swallow can make digestive problems worse. When menopause and stomach issues may be more serious. Ovarian cancer symptoms can mimic some of the, digest the digestive issues perimenopausal and menopausal women contend with, including bloating, fullness, and abdominal pain. If you have these, systems, these symptoms frequently, 12 or more times a month, if they persist and if you also have to urinate urgently and often or experience unexplained weight loss, you need to talk with your doctor. Additionally, many women become more sensitive to certain foods as they age. Many of us find dairy is harder to digest meaning cheese, ice cream, etc., can cause more concerns than they used to. Some women find carbohydrates more difficult to digest. Some believe cutting down on sugar helps, and we're big supporters of cutting down sugar and avoiding other foods in menopause. If you think your food may be causing the problem, try cutting down on the suspect food group for a while and tracking progress. Another risk of digestive issues may seem trivial, but it's really not. Self-isolation and potentially sub subsequent depression. 
women are particularly vulnerable to perimenopause, depression, or other emotional issues, and social support can be critical to helping us through them. If you cut back on activities because of a fear of social embarrassment, you're missing out on some very important emotional health. If it's an issue, try fasting a while before meeting people or carrying Pepto-Bismol or eating lightly when out with friends. Chances are, if your friends are women of a similar age, you're not the only one with this fear. Digestive troubles can be annoying, and if bad enough, humiliating and isolating. But a few lifestyle changes and informed diet choices can provide considerable relief. As ever, we'd love to hear what has worked for you or hasn't. So please share in the comments or on Facebook or Twitter. And that's for the Genev um, Facebook um, site. This week's social media recommendation is Genev. It is a podcast that can be found on Apple, Spotify, and probably all other um, listening platforms. Um, Genev is the first of its kind online clinic for women in midlife and menopause. If you're ready to take back control of your health through and beyond the menopause transition, join us at Genev.com. So go over to that podcast and um, check out their content. Sources used today came from the following Bloomberg Quick Take, which can be found at Quick Take on Twitter, Genev.com, ADA.org.au, EmpoweredWomen.net, and mouthhealthy.org.az I believe I'm not sure let me check could be could be that if it isn't I'll go ahead and correct it later (laughs) so Thank you for joining me today. I'm sure it sounds like I was all over the place. No, my apologies. Yeah, so the um, inflamed gums and gum disease information came from www.ada.org.au. I think I had already shared that already. Thank you so much for joining me this Wednesday. Next week, we're going to be talking about dry and itchy skin that's going to be a very short podcast because the next symptom after that is anxiety and I have a whole bunch of things that I want to talk about about that that might be a two or three parter anxiety so I have a lot of information that I want to share um, a lot of content that I want to um, put out there concerning that anxiety is a huge issue with perimenopause and menopause especially if you've suffered with anxiety already if you've already suffered with anxiety or depression prior to perimenopause and menopause 
Anxiety's gonna be on 10, ladies and gentlemen. Just wanna let you know. It's no fun at all. And I have struggled, I have struggled with anxiety and depression in the past, and I still struggle with anxiety today. It is one of my most frustrating symptoms of perimenopause and menopause because out of nowhere you can literally have a panic attack and for for no reason at all for no reason so that's why I am so adamant about you know being honest about what you're going through with people it can help them understand and be more um, understanding and patient and empathetic with you Because, like I said, just out of nowhere, you'll just start feeling this way and you don't know why. So, thank you for joining me today. Y'all have a blessed week. Be safe. I will talk to everyone next week. Have a good one.